Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another stupendous installment of Weekend Update. From very high above all the puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Happy Saturday. There are just some arguments that will never go away. Things that human beings have argued about since there were human beings. And it doesn't seem to matter where these human beings reside or what type of country or system they've set up, the same arguments persist. They are so essentially human that we can't not argue about them. Countless wars have been fought and will be fought over religion. Here's another one. Even though each and every single human being on this planet came to draw our first few breaths in exactly the same way, we still have to debate what it means to be a woman or a man. We have not become so civilized that we're able to avoid these quintessentially human debates. They are exactly the same arguments that have been going on since Adam and Eve walked out of the garden. It doesn't really matter where you look in human history, these same arguments and others will always crop up. And though we may think that we're exempt from many things in the cowboy state, we're not. In this area, we are certainly not unique. I'm sure a lot of times on the program you think that I'm ignoring a particular story, that I don't think that it's important. The truth is, if I haven't talked about something, I'm usually waiting for the story to develop a little bit. See, a lot of the Wyoming media, they, they grab a hold of a story and they just kind of run with it. And more often than not, they're absolutely wrong about it. And then later they just say, well, this story is developing. When really what they mean is, oops, we got it wrong the first time. Here's the real story. Of course, they would never be so honest as to put it that way. But you get what I'm saying. There are a couple of stories that have been developing in the cowboy state that I really haven't had too much to say about. The first is that proposed Mormon church over in Cody, and the second one is everything that is going on with Mr. Artemis Langford. This morning, we're going to talk about both of those. But before we get to that, there's something that I have been dying to tell you about. It has been 16 days since Sweetwater County Representative Clark Stith arrogantly issued a debate challenge, and not even he can claim that he didn't, because it was in an op-ed written by him and published on the cow pie. He just didn't think that anybody was going to take him up on it. You see, these redcoats are just so used to spouting off at the mouth and nobody holding them accountable that they're willing to say just about anything. And the truth is, it's so rare that anybody demands that they back up what they're saying that they don't think that they have to. And I suppose that no one can actually force them to follow through on what they say. They just look really dumb when they don't. So it is with Representative Drag Show Clark Stiff. See, he issued a debate challenge, and I promptly took him up on it. There were a number of things in his ridiculous op-ed that were just patently false. 
And so, mere minutes after his op-ed hit the cow pie, I issued a response, and I said, and I quote, You say you want to debate person to person. Fine, let's do that. You are welcome on my program anytime you like. Just remember, I deal in facts, Clark, things that your rhino caucus seem to struggle with. But of course, why would you? I'm just an amateur with a very loud microphone. End quote. Now, if you'd like to read that entire response, it is published at CowboyStatePolitics.com underneath the articles section. The correct response for good old Clark would have been no response at all. But as you could tell from his falsehood-riddled op-ed, Stith does not possess the ability to not respond. Or at least he found that ability after he sent that dumb email to me. Anyway, here's what it says. Quote, David, sorry it took so long to respond. I started an email to you last Saturday and then it fell through the cracks. Thanks for the invitation. I would be honored to be on one of your podcasts. And here's the important part. With the following ground rule. You would run the interview unedited, including your questions and edits, and splices or snippets would not be used for any purpose. If this is acceptable to you, let me know what time works for you, and I'll see what my schedule looks like. Thanks. Best regards, Clark Stith. End quote. In other words, Clark Stith doesn't want to be held accountable for even what he says on this program. And... He wants to be in control of what happens afterwards. That is not going to happen on this program. There's only one person that controls what happens on Cowboys State Politics, and Clark Stith is not him. Now, he also said in his email that he was going to record our conversation on his end, too, as he should. In fact, and just a piece of advice, if you're talking to the media, you should absolutely record the conversation because they are going to misquote you. Not on this program, of course, but any of the others, they will absolutely take every opportunity they can to twist your words. So, of course, I responded to Clark and basically I said that I have absolutely no problem publishing our discussion without any edits. The only thing I ever remove anyway is excessive ums and errs and really annoying things that people do when they're talking to you. Clark pauses a lot. I could foresee removing several minutes of nothing but dead air from our conversation. Anyway, I also said in my response that since he was recording the conversation and because I don't take people out of context like the rest of the Wyoming media, and because we were going to talk about some things we'll, that will be of interest later on, specifically during the session, that he shouldn't have any problem with me using any sound bites later. Since that email, it has been crickets from Clark Stith. All told, it's been 16 days since Clark Stith issued his debate challenge, and I promptly picked it up. The problem with all of these redcoats is they never put their money where their mouth is. The truth is, Clark Stith is a trained lawyer. He ought to be able to handle me no problem, right? There should be absolutely no reason why he won't come on this program. Oh, wait, but there is a reason. Clark Stith and the rest of his Redcoat buddies routinely say things that are not true. They write op-eds that have obvious falsehoods in them. They twist the facts. They misreport everything that they can possibly do that to, all in an attempt to try to make you believe things that are just not true. All of them do it. 
And the fact that Clark Stith is not on this program right now tells you that he just really doesn't have the courage of his convictions. Or, at the very least, he's not a Republican at all. Because if he were, we ought to be able to have a very lengthy discussion about the things that are important to Wyoming. He and his redcoat pals routinely say that they are the ones that are looking out for the best interests of you, the Wyoming citizen. If that were true, why isn't he taking the opportunity to come on Wyoming's most listened to podcast and talk about them? I'll tell you why. Because they don't like the fresh sunlight of transparency. They'd rather sit in the darkness and take pot shots where they can. They don't want to be held accountable by you Wyoming citizens because they know that they're not telling you the truth. They come to your door and they claim that they're a conservative. By the way, I've been told that when Clark Stith first ran for office, that's the very thing that he told all of his constituents. That he is a conservative. That he is going to stand up for traditional Republican values. Nothing could be further from the truth. Clark Stith is among the representatives in the Wyoming House that votes with the Democrats an average of 80% of the time. Of the 1,566 votes that Clark Stith shared with Democrat Minority Floor Leader Mike Yin, he voted with Yin 1,220 times. Overall, Clark Stith sides with the Democrats 80.7% of the time. Over 80% of the time. If it walks like a skunk and smells like a skunk, it's a skunk, all right. And you should most definitely not go anywhere near it. In the annals of Clark Stith's voting history, one of my personal favorites is House Bill 66, which he mentioned in his op-ed. That was the one that would have prevented mask and vaccine mandates. You know, the thing that most Wyoming citizens were really ticked off about during the pandemic, the plandemic. Well, Clark Stith voted in favor of mask mandates three separate times. Now, only one of those do you have any evidence of. The only way that you would know about the other two times is if you were there, and I was, every single day. You should ask the Republican Clark Stith about that. Why he's in favor of allowing the government to force you to jab a piece of metal into your arm that is absolutely completely useless and in fact causes numerous heart conditions. Or why Clark Stith is in favor of making you wear a diaper on your face. That is absolutely 100% proven to be completely useless. You should ask good old Clark Stith why he insists on taking your personal right to make your own health care decisions away from you. You should ask good old Clark Stith why he allowed Chloe's Law, the bill that would have prevented childhood mutilations, to be butchered, pun intended, by the Appropriations Committee that he sits on. Oh, there's so many of these. I could go on for hours. But I think that you get the point. These are some of the reasons why Clark Stith wanted to control me and this program and the entire narrative. So he could misrepresent all of these things later, just like he did in his dumb op-ed. There is absolutely no reason why Clark Stith shouldn't come on Cowboy State Politics and defend his putrid voting record. He's obviously proud of it or he wouldn't vote that way. He tried to control me and this program. He did that for one simple reason. So that it didn't matter what he said on cowboy state politics. That he could misrepresent what he said later, and I wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Because that's what the Redcoats always do. Well, my friends, that is not going to happen on cowboy state politics now or ever. 
So here you go, Clark. Put all your dumb conditions aside and have the courage of your convictions. Cowboy up and let's debate your positions like you demanded in your ridiculously false op-ed. Again, you're welcome on Cowboy State Politics anytime you like. I'll give you a full hour. It's time to cowboy up, Clark. Or you could just keep silent like you are right now and allow me to continue talking about your ridiculous voting record, which, by the way, I am most definitely happy to do. Anyhow, I'll be waiting here, Clark. Oh, and by the way, in your free time, try not to donate to any more drag shows in your local community where numerous children are present while grown men are prancing around in women's lingerie. Just a piece of advice for you, Clark. Moving on. Let's take a quick profit timeout before we get to things that really matter. This installment of Weekend Update is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for any type of metal structure, whether it's a barn or a roping arena or maybe a giant warehouse, you should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction, and you won't find anybody with more experience. So give Nick and Jesse a call for any of your building needs. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. If you like hot wings like I do, you should really check out the Winget Food Truck. They make the most incredible hot wings in the state of Wyoming. And it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic Parmesan wings. They're incredible. Now, the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to their Facebook page, the Winget Food Truck, and you'll find their weekly schedule. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Winget Food Truck. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Clark Stiff and you really don't want your constituents to find out how you've been voting... Well, I suggest that you go to CowboyStatePolitics.com first and find out what they already know. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode, which begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. And now, back to the program. A lot of times, I'm pretty sure there are things happening in the great state of Wyoming that you, the loyal Cowboy State Politics audience, think I should be talking about. The reason why I give some of these things a little time to percolate is so that we can find out exactly what's going on, so that we don't speculate and get things wrong, like the mainstream Wyoming media does all the time. 
Well, one of these issues is this proposed Mormon church over in Cody. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, what's been going on is the Mormon church wants to build this temple in a residential neighborhood over in Cody. They want a steeple that's 101 feet high. That's absolutely huge. Now, I understand why. Churches are meant to be in prominent places. If you go to Buffalo, Wyoming, one of the most prominent hills in Buffalo has a church sitting on the top of it. And the whole reason for that is so that you can see it from a long ways away. It's a call for people to come to the church. Well, the Mormons want exactly that. They want a big, prominent church that you can see it from a long ways away. Now, there's a lot of residents in Cody that are opposed to this idea, that really don't want that huge steeple. And there are two big sticking points on it. One is the height of the steeple. There's a lot of people that don't want that huge thing to disrupt the view or the skyline of Cody. And the other is that the proposed building may not meet Cody's building codes. Up until now, Cody's planning and zoning board has been unable to come to a decision on whether or not they're going to approve this plan. And it sounds to me like the Mormon church is going to take this thing to court. The only issue that should matter about this proposed Mormon church is whether or not it meets the building codes. If it does, Cody's planning and zoning board should approve it on Monday. Period. End of discussion. If there is any other issue with this proposed church, other than whether or not it meets the building codes, then the real problem is that it's a Mormon church and not a Baptist one, or Catholic, or Episcopal, or Methodist, or Apostolic, or a cowboy church even. Oh, and that brings up a very interesting point. There's a cowboy church in Cody that before they built the building, uh, they wanted to have a treatment center. If you've ever been out on the South Fork in Cody where the cowboy church is, they've got a huge piece of property. And they wanted to put a treatment center in there and have barracks and do their ministry and treat people with addiction problems um, at the same time. But the residents around where the cowboy church in Cody is threw a fit. And now the only thing that's there is the cowboy church and not a treatment facility where they could have helped people. As I recall, it didn't really have anything to do with the building itself. It's just the folks that lived around there didn't want the treatment facility. So if this is one of the problems with this Mormon church, and if there is some other issue besides whether or not it meets the building codes, then the real reason why the residents surrounding this residential neighborhood don't want it is that it's a Mormon church. Honestly, it's no different of a question than whether or not we could build a mosque next to Ground Zero. We may not like it, but that doesn't mean that people don't have a right to build something if if everything meets the building codes. Just because we don't like something doesn't mean that we can prevent it. All of us have the right to practice our religion in any way that we see fit. That's enshrined in our Constitution, and it was one of the very reasons why people came to this great continent in the very first place. As I've said over and over on this program, when it comes to the First Amendment, really the only right that you do have is to be offended. And quite frankly, every single Mormon that I have ever met in my entire life has been a really, really nice person. And here's the kicker to this whole issue over in Cody. According to the cow pie... The Mormon Church has said that they're willing to negotiate on the height of the steeple and the lighting that they had proposed to light it up at night. They're willing to work with the city's planning and zoning board. So why, then, is there such a problem in approving it? 
If it's anything else other than whether or not it meets the city's building codes, that means that the real problem is that it's a Mormon church. If you're opposed to this thing, you need to take a real hard look and ask yourself why. Because the principle of liberty is not just liberty for you, it's liberty for everyone, regardless of whether or not you like it. Next up, Artemis Langford, as if that's his real name. The Democrats have decided to elect him as their state committee woman, even though Artemis Langford most definitely is a man. It doesn't really matter if he claims to be a woman or not. The law says to be a state committee woman that you actually have to be a woman. Now, to get a better handle on this whole topic, I spoke with Joey Carrenti. Now, Joey's apparently becoming a regular guest on the program, but he filed a complaint with the Secretary of State's office concerning this whole issue. There's an article on the cow pie written by Leo Trotsky Wolfson that is not exactly accurate. So I thought, I'll just play you my conversation with Joey Carrenti, and you can get it from the horse's mouth. Here's our discussion. Joey, 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 you just can't stop stirring the pot, can you? Well, you know, I like to walk loudly and carry a big spoon, so I do what I can when I can. So you filed yet another complaint with the Secretary of State against Mr. Yeah, it is Mr. Artemis Langford. About a month ago, uh, I saw an issue that had come up, and I, I have a, a knack for hearing news stories or seeing tweets where people get all bent out of shape or focused on one thing, but then I see the real problem in statute procedure or policy being violated, and that's when I make my stick. You know, the last one was a very innocuous comment made by Mike Yen at the uh, Republican Party meeting where everyone was worried more about a Democrat of such stature being at the Republican meeting, which I think is fine. But what he said didn't sit right with me with the way I remembered statute being written. And so that first complaint about the way they elect their chairman uh, got submitted. And then more recently, a uh, little over a month ago, I, I had heard uh, celebrations of Mr. Artemis Langford being elected as the Albany County Democratic State Committee woman. And that was immediately more problematic to me, not because I have, you know, a battle that I want to take up with this transgenderism. That's a different issue as a social and moral issue for the people. But because in state law, there's specific language saying you will elect a committee man and committee woman, state committee man and state committee woman for each county. And that presents a situation where we see very rarely in statute where they have a distinction between male and female. Uh, most other statutes are written as for the citizenry individually, and I only found a few other places where male, female, man or woman, man or woman is mentioned, and this is one of the places. So this isn't a complaint against Artemis Langford. It's not even a complaint against the Democrat Party. It's a complaint that there is a political party who I believe is violating the law. And in the most recent Supreme Court decision against the Unit County Republican Party, the Supreme Court stated in its opinion that political parties are not allowed to interpret the law or make their own rules to usurp it. So based on that, you cannot have two political parties operating under the same law, doing the same thing in a different way. 
And what this complaint really is, and if you read all the way to the bottom, it's a complaint against not only how the law is written, but the fact that the law exists at all. It is not the state's opinion to be telling the Democrat Party what they can and cannot do within their own private organization. If they want to elect a dog to represent them, they should be able to do so within the confines of their party. Now, outside people running for public office, people appearing on public ballots, that's a different case. But these rules specifically govern the internal operation of political parties. And this is one of the places where it's clear enough to be questionable whether they're doing it right or not by electing a biological male to a state committee woman position. And that's what the complaint really is. I think I'm going to argue with you on just one point. Admittedly, now we would not write a law that says you have, well, actually we would, we would. Um, Title IX says you have to have equal representation of, you know, with sports or activities. Um, you know, if you have a male sport, you have to have a female sport. But I think that that specific law was probably a throwback to women's suffrage. I mean, it, it was probably written that way to make sure that there was representation for women in in political parties. Which is problematic. Well, yeah, now it's problematic. At the time, it wasn't. But there's yet another statute, pretty sure it's a statute, where it says that when, when the word man is used in Wyoming statute, it refers to both men and women. I agree that you are correct in your citations. Uh, let me show you a couple differences. First of all, Title IX only uh, applies to tax-funded school and public places this is a private organization there is a difference the democrat party shouldn't be receiving any tax dollars and is not a branch of the government it's not government run it shouldn't be government funded uh it does not fall under the protections or requirements of title nine because the only thing you lose if you violate title nine is your public funding so since they can't lose that it just automatically doesn't apply uh, the second point you made, yes, it says very clearly where in this uh, series of statutes the masculine is used, it shall apply to all people. But this isn't a situation where only the masculine is used. There is a clear uh, dual statement of man and woman. So anytime they decide to supersede the masculine covering all, then they're making a different point. And and I think it's, it's a great opportunity for the state uh, legislature to go in and not only we'll have the other argument about why they should delete these altogether, but to have a universal definition across all statutes of man, woman, male and female, even if they don't use it in every statute, because when the vernacular is used, identifying the difference between a man and a woman, you can't fall back to the standard when the masculinity is used, it applies to all people. It's just, it's... The Democrats are allowed to go through with this and have Artemis Langford, who is a man, as their state committee woman. I think it absolutely erodes the rights of women because you have a law that specifically says that women have to participate. You know, whether or not it's a good law or if it should apply to private organizations, that's a secondary issue on this point. But it specifically says that women have to participate. And here the Democrats are electing a man in the position that is specifically reserved for a woman. That's exactly why that, that law was written. Which, again, 
is wrong, and I'll show you where it's wrong. I don't think your argument is wrong. I think depending on the government and relying on them to come up with a law to regulate and ensure that is not the government's business. And it's proven the areas that I'm arguing right now, that the statutes that are being violated, you can find in Title 22 under Chapter 4, Article 1, which is major political parties. But if you look down to Chapter 3, minor political parties, none of these rules exist. So we already have half of the political parties, maybe not in size, membership, and impact, but in numbers, two political parties that operate without these restrictions, without these uh, requirements, without this regulation, and it's never been an issue that they, they can exist like that. Now, if the political parties want to exist and operate in a manner which doesn't include or provide equal opportunity for women, they do so at their own peril. I'm not saying they shouldn't allow women, and I'm not saying it's not an offense and affront to not only womanhood, but the rights of women to participate in a private organization. I'm saying it's not the government's business to tell them whether they can or not until it comes to public elections. Anything outside of the room where the Democrats are operating, that's where these laws can apply and say, hey, you can't tell a woman she can't run as a Democrat because you only want transgender. But inside their organizations, let me let me give you another example. The uh, the VFW and the American Legion, they're both veterans organizations. The American Legion will take anybody that wore a uniform for four and a half seconds one time in their life. The VFW, you have to be certified and proven as a veteran combatant of a foreign war. That's not discrimination against veterans. That's just saying our private group internally, our membership is different. We also have, you know, auxiliary and the sons of the American. We have opportunities for other people to participate. But you don't get to be a full-fledged voting upfront member unless you meet the criteria and there are other organizations for you. The other kind of point you made was women should be able to, and I agree, be able to participate in politics equally, but a political party isn't necessarily politics. The only thing it's, I'm saying, Joe, is I think you're conf conflating two arguments here. I think there's a lot of arguments, unfortunately, within this one issue, and there's another one that hasn't even been put on paper yet related to it. So again, you're not wrong. So the two arguments I think you're conflating, Joe, is one, the law exists, and the Democrats have to follow it, just like the Republicans do. It says a committee man and a committee woman. It doesn't say a committee man who thinks he's a woman. They're just not following the law, and the law was put there for a specific reason, and that was to allow women's suffrage within political parties. Now, we could argue whether it's outdated or not, and that's the second argument, is whether we should have this law anyway. And I, I think I would argue that absolutely we should, and that because the Democrats have elected a man in the position of a woman, that's a specific reason why we should absolutely have this law. I'll disagree with your second point. Uh, because there already exists a standard for other political parties to not have to have committee men or committee women or regulate the amount of representation they can have internally, uh, I think it's a violation of uh, Article 1, Section 3 of the Wyoming Constitution, which guarantees equal political rights for all, regardless of gender or political identity. So I don't see how they can regulate 
half the parties one way, half the parties the other way, and call any of their regulation of it legitimate. Now, the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, is what you just said. What is happening, I believe, is a violation of the law. But I also believe more intently that this should not be a criminal investigation of the Democrat Party and their actions. It should be a motivator to define man and woman, male and female, universally across all statutes, repeal the laws that overregulate half the parties and underprovide for the other half of the party so we actually have equality and accept the fact the Democrats are allowed to have a nutball circus however they want within their own tent. So are the Republicans. Republicans do things on a regular basis that make me pause, think twice, or just flat out be sick. But they're allowed to until, you know, you piss off the president. He tries to put you on trial for your life. That withstanding, the parties themselves have the right to operate within their own walls, pretty much how they see fit until they commit an act, what I would call an actual crime. You can't commit violence. You can't, uh, you know, violate some civil rights. But in private organizations, as a voluntary member, things like the freedom of speech don't exist. You can be gaveled down by the chairman. You can to be told some of your language is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. You don't get to state everything you want to state. Uh, this is why we have uh, Robert's Rules of Order that govern most of these things. You're a, you're a voluntary member and you're willing to adhere to the bylaws, policies, and procedures, and that's all they need. And the proof is we have the Libertarian and Constitutional Party in Wyoming that only have their bylaws, their policies, and their procedures, and nobody has a problem with it. It hasn't been challenged. It's clearly unequal on a constitutional footing. But the real argument is going to be how do we make the transition to change this back to that universal everybody follows the same six rules and the political parties are allowed to operate themselves. That's going to be the tough part. But until then, I'll stand firm and be prepared. I'm about to expand on the Democrats are violating the law. They elected a biological male into a position that is stated in statute to be for a woman. And we need to see our laws enforced or removed. Because if we have laws on the books that either are unenforceable or our judicial system or our attorney general refuses to enforce, that's another reason we don't need the law on the book. For the record, I agree with you. The state needs to get the heck out of regulating private corporations, which both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are. Um, but discursively... I think it's fascinating that the party that is all about diversity and making sure everybody has has equal rights just elected a man in the position that a woman should be holding. I mean, I, I find it fascinating. I mean, they're, they're absolutely the party of hypocrisy. Yeah, like I said, if they want to have, you know, a sicko nutball circus as their organization, I say let them. I find it fascinating, too. I personally find it disgusting. I see it every day. Things I disagree with, things that I can't stomach, things I think are fundamentally wrong, but in the posture of being liberty-minded, I accept up until the point where it disrupts or interferes with someone else's liberty. It costs us extra tax dollars to have this special group. 
we're legislating for special rights, protections, privileges, and funding, or they're affecting our children. Until that happens, I kind of have to stomach it. That's my job as a liberty-minded American to say, I disagree with what you're doing, but I fully agree with your right to do it. The same thing when I see people stomping on the flag, kneeling during the uh, national anthem. I'll disagree with it, but I will always. And I spent 20 years of my life defending their absolute right to be absolutely wrong. Well, I completely agree with that. Well, Joey, keep me updated on what's going on with your with your complaint. I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of opportunities to discuss it in the future. That portion of Title 22 with major political parties needs to be repealed. Everyone needs to know what the law is, especially if you're going to engage in politics or be a representative within a political party. And we need to hold each other accountable without saying, I think you, you know, need to burn in jail for the rest of your life. We need to write this system and we need to make sure that if we do have a system, even if it's archaic and, and it's ridiculous, right now this is the law and these laws need to be enforced equally across all situations with all individuals of all political parties. And it needs to be quick. When you see a violation of the law, it needs to be addressed in short order. It can't be sitting on the AG's desk for six months gathering dust, hoping it'll go away. Well, make sure you keep us updated on it, Joe. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, that'll do it for today's installment of Weekend Update. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns, at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.